When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live on tape from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City, it's Stephen Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Now, I know know it doesn't seem uh, like it has been that long, but truth is, tomorrow is one year of Joe Biden's presidency. And to mark the occasion... Yeah, give it up. Hell of a year. Hell of a year for everybody. To mark the occasion, for some reason, he had a press conference today. Then again, he's 79. I guess he's always going to go for the early bird special. (laughs) I'll have the orange roughy. The president outlined the various ways his administration is trying to fight the pandemic without additional shutdowns. We have the tools. Vaccines, boosters, masks, tests, pills, to save lives and keep businesses and schools open. Yes. We have a lot of tools to save lives. Unfortunately, we also have a lot of tools who refuse to use those tools. (laughs) Safe. Speaking of which, it's a big day for America's nostrils. Because, uh... (laughs) You know what's coming. Because today, the White House launched the U.S. government's free COVID testing kit website, covidtests.gov. Go there. Get them. They're waiting. You paid for them. You already paid for them. Go get them. All you got to do is log on, put in your address, and the feds will send you four free at-home COVID-19 tests. Four tests, okay? Four tests. That's one swab for each nostril and two for, you know, dealer's choice. It works. It works wherever you put them. That's what I hear. Is that true? They're telling me that's not true. I think it's true. Anyway, (laughs) got to play to find out. The White House actually launched the site yesterday, one day ahead of schedule. So, 677 days into the pandemic, we got access to free tests one day sooner than we thought. (laughs) Thank you, sir. That's why he moved up the press conference. That's why he moved it up. So far, free and accessible health care is pretty popular. As of last night, covidtest.gov had more than one million visitors, which is more than 40 times as many as the government site with the next highest traffic, which I assume is shirtlessdougemhoff.gov backslash yardwork. (laughs) I did not expect him 
I did not expect him to be so cut. Hey, he got himself together. Uh-huh. Yeah, get it. The, clip, get the it. Clippers work the obliques, man. <laughs> now, uh, I mean, there were a few hiccups. Some people who live in apartment buildings received error messages saying tests already been ordered for their address. So, okay, to make up for it, the post office is gonna send those people a thousand blue apron mailers and a water bill for someone who lived there 20 years ago. <laughs> the free test, the free test isn't the only good news. Experts say the end of the Omicron wave is in sight, okay? Yeah. It's in sight, though I can't see it because my glasses are always fogged up from my mask. <laughs> One group that can't wait for COVID to end is librarians, because some public libraries are being used as coronavirus test distribution sites, and librarians have become the latest frontline workers, and they do not appreciate the banging of pots and pans. <laughs> in certain cities, took a while. It took a while for you to realize, about a year ago, we used to... And in certain cities like uh, the Washington, D.C., public libraries provided PCR tests that patrons had to take home to use, then deposit in a drop box at the library. So, your test will be held in the same sanitary laboratory conditions as sticky copies of Pat the Bunny <laughs> and a broken VHS of Gremlins 2. <laughs> the system works. Gremlins 2 fans. Gremlins 2, two fans. Oh, yeah. System works, but maybe too well, because now library phones ring every few minutes with yet another call asking medical questions library workers aren't trained to answer. <laughs> Haven't we given librarians enough to do? They're already our babysitters, our tutors, and the only ones brave enough to ask that man at the computer to please close his pornography tabs during the puppet show. <laughs> We've also closed the tabs. Bad. We've also got COVID news from Florida. Today, we learned the Florida Department of Health suspended a medical director after he sent an email encouraging staff to get vaccinated. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, it's kind of presumptuous of him to assume that residents of Florida have the will to live. <laughs> the, uh, they made a choice. They made a choice. <laughs> the official in question is Dr. Raul Pino, who leads the health department in Orange County. In an email to his department earlier this month, Pino wrote that he was concerned that only 219 out of 568 staff members had received two doses of the vaccine, adding, I am sorry, but in the absence of reasonable and real reasons, it is irresponsible not to be vaccinated. I have a hard time understanding how we can be in public health and not practice it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It is. He's right. It is hard to understand. Yet another Florida mystery, like why do so many old people move there the minute they get too slow to outrun an alligator? <laughs> I don't understand. Ring the dinner bell. There's bad news for former President Girth, Wind, and Liar. There you go. Do you remember? <laughs> For the last three years, uh, he has been under civil investigation by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Well, last night, 
the James gang is here. Well, <laughs> last night in court filings, James outlined a pattern of possible fraud at the former president's business. That's believable. Certainly more believable than a pattern of business at the former president's fraud. <laughs> James filed uh, this motion in response to the former president's attempt to block her from questioning him and two of his adult children under oath. Lord, please make that happen. Please. I don't, I don't ask for much, and I don't ask often. All I want, all I want before I die is to see Don Jr. swear in on a jar of hair gel. It's the only thing he believes in. James says that her office has uncovered significant evidence that the former president fraudulently valued multiple assets, including his own private residence. He claimed the triplex apartment was 30,000 square feet in size, but the actual size was just under 11,000 square feet. Yeah, that's no, that's no surprise. He's known for falsely tripling the size of his assets. <laughs> he once told Stormy Daniels his penis was three inches. <laughs> but... But the former president's biggest fraud continues to be his claim that he won re-election. The House Select Committee on January 6th is busy getting to the bottom of that lie. And yesterday, they subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> At long last... At long last, we might finally find out if Rudy actually said and did what we saw him say and do live on TV. <laughs> the panel wants to know everything, everything about how Rudy pushed false claims that the former Prez won the 2020 election and are seeking all the documents he has relating to the seizure of voting machines, contact with members of Congress, and any arrangements for his attorney's fees. And The Late Show has acquired one, one of these, one of Rudy's invoices, $40,000 for attorney's fees, and $10,000 for Franzia, comma, kiddie pool full of. <laughs> and it's not just Rudy. The Select Committee has also subpoenaed the phone records of former second son, Eric. Could be good. Could be good. Not sure how much you can learn from the phone records of someone who answers the scam likely number hoping it's his dad. <laughs> Speaking of phones, today Verizon and AT&T have turned on a major new part of their 5G networks. Of course, if you got the vaccine, you already have 5G. <laughs> but to access the new network, you're going to have to initiate a hard reset. Just insert a paperclip into the back of your neck while holding down the Bluetooth button on your giant balls. Okay. There's one small problem. Officials are worried 5G signals could lead to airplane crashes. Okay, but on the bright side, you can stream yellow jackets all the way down. <laughs> See, because they use similar segments of the radio spectrum, some officials are worried that 5G service will interfere with sensitive instruments that measure altitude on some planes. Okay, well then to protect it, why don't they just put the plane into airplane mode? <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. More Late Show Poncho after this. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. 
Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. I hold, I hold, I hold in my hot little hand the questions for uh, tonight's guest, Christine Baranski. Oh, yeah. National Treasure. Christine Baranski. National Treasure. She's going to, she's, uh, she's in that new show, The Gilded Age on HBO. Indeed. By the same people who made Downton Abbey. Uh-huh. Super uh-huh. fancy New York stuff. I've already yes. seen it because, you know, I'm fancy too. Yeah. You know, I'm fancy. Uh, we know that you racked up 11 Grammy nominations this year. Oh! Just like, just like last year, because, you know, two years of this pandemic, it's been delayed. The Grammys have been delayed. Oh. We just found out when they are. You know when they are, right? It's April 3rd. And where? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yes. That's Las Vegas. And that's your town, right, John? I think Las Vegas. I think John Baptiste. Definitely, yeah. Sin City. <laughs> I go to Las Vegas. I'm, I'm like a fish in water. Absolutely. Well, you've got your own white tigers at home. You train. Yes. Oh, All definitely. the time. Yes. Inspirational for you. Uh, that's right. My I, only worry... Go ahead, I'm sorry, I please. was the original Tiger King, you know? You yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Folks, as I said, it's going on two years of this pandemic, and I know you're concerned about what this has meant for rich people. <laughs> the effects of COVID on the wealthy have been extreme in that they are even more extremely wealthy. And I'll tell you all about it in my Admiral Class segment. Rich people, they're just not like us. Us pay taxes. Gah, how can they afford pitchforks on what I pay them? Now, I make a fine living as a TV host, don't get me wrong. But according to new research, the wealth of the world's 10 richest men has doubled in the pandemic, a group that includes Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, and Mark Zuckerberg, whose wealth swelled from a collective $700 billion to $1.5 trillion. Okay, that's, that's an inconceivable amount of money. Here's one way to think about it. To make $1.5 trillion, you'd have to be paid $1 million a day for 1.5 million days. That's over 4,000 years. You'd have to make a million dollars a day since they built the Great Pyramid. Or as these guys call it, the pool house. (laughs) But these guys are just the canaries in the diamond mine. All the richies are richening up richer. But at least they're spending their cash on pressing humanitarian issues like, Daddy want fancy car. Because... Last year alone, Rolls-Royce delivered the most cars it has ever sold in its 117-year history. Well, of course, who wants to flee the torch-wielding mob in a getaway vehicle whose champagne cooling bay isn't inlaid with Mother of Pearl? (laughs) Some of the whips the rich are buying include the $455,000 Rolls-Royce Phantom and the Rolls-Royce Ghost Sedan, which, with a starting price of just over $300,000, is considered to be a more practical and affordable alternative. Because nothing says practical and affordable like buying the same car as the Queen of England. (laughs) The ultra-rich are also shelling out for the luxury cars of the sea, super yachts, which also hit a record. The biggest yacht sold last year being the Nord, a 464-foot-long super yacht which cost around $500 million and has been described as a warship wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> well, yeah, for half a bill, I can't have my warship in business casual. <laughs> what am I buying, a battle canoe? <laughs> According to the designer, Dan Leonard, the Nord was designed with one idea in mind, 
She must cause strong emotions in every observer. <laughs> Mission accomplished, Danny. <laughs> Everyone who sees this is filled with the strong emotion of, let's build a guillotine. <laughs> now... <laughs> if you're one of these stupidly rich, you may be asking, Steve, is there any way my purchases could piss off an entire city once an hour every day? They sure can, if you are the cartoonishly named Dallas billionaire Harlan Crow, who built a 228-foot-tall bell tower outside his office window. But he's not compensating for anything. <laughs> and if you look out the window, you'll see my 16-story-high penis. I mean dong tower. I mean bell penis. And when it comes to... When it comes to letting everyone know his tower is there, Harlan Crow is loud and proud because the first time you heard his bell ring, he said it was too quiet <laughs> and made his architects up the volume to 105 decibels, roughly equivalent to a chainsaw. <laughs> Beautifully understated. I want the sound of my personal bell tower to be somewhere between piano falling down a staircase and bomb detonating a shipping container full of tambourines. Finally, if Rolls Royces and bell towers don't scream, let's storm the Bastille loud enough. The most expensive home in America just listed for $295 million. It is the 105,000 square foot mega mansion known as The One. <laughs> yes, The One, just like Neo in The Matrix. But instead of being a freedom fighter against dystopian overlords, this is the house the overlords buy when they get bored of their emotional tuxedo yacht. The One features 21 bedrooms and 42 bathrooms, a full-service salon equipped with shampoo stations, pedicure chairs, and a hair and makeup area, a 400-foot running track, and a massive moat that runs around the property. Always good when your home is protected by the same features as the castles in Game of Thrones. As I recall, everything works out pretty great for those guys. <laughs> oh. Oh, and fun fact, the one is built on a leveled mountain. <laughs> Please let it be a volcano. Coming up, Christine Baranski. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. My guest tonight is a talented actress who's won an Emmy and two Tonys and now stars in the new HBO series, The Gilded Age. Please welcome back to The Late Show, the delightful Christine Baranski. What's, uh, what's happening, hot stuff? <laughs> nice to have you back. It's lovely to be back, gosh. Yeah. I just want to say to this audience, thank you so much for observing the protocols and wearing this mask, but showing up and supporting theater in, in New York. Yeah, very lucky. Very lucky to have an audience like this. Yeah. Now, yeah. You grew up in uh, Buffalo, New York. 
I did. And how much, how much, after all these years, because you, you kind of scream Manhattan at this point, how much Buffalo Girl is left in you? You know, everybody thinks this is, you know, this sophisticated lady, this New York type, this, this ca these characters that I play, they think that's me. They should be in a room alone with me when I watch the Buffalo Bills. It is loud. Great season. Loud. Great season. It is a great season. And growing up in Buffalo, you have to understand, we lived through four consecutive Super Bowl losses. Mm -hmm. So I have a T-shirt that says, Buffalo, a drinking town with a football problem. <laughs> but this year, this year they're having a great year. And, uh, you know, there was the wild card game last, uh, last Sunday. They, they beat New England. And, yeah. I mean, these are people who will sit in the stands for hours in sub-zero temperatures. Mm -hmm. So if you're from Buffalo, you know you are a survivor. You know how to, you know, endure. Yeah. Go Bills! Do you remember what it felt like to first come down to the city? I, I certainly remember my first, like, walking around by myself in New York. That felt like... Do you remember that feeling? Uh, when Do you still I have was, it ever? When I was accepted, at Juilliard, I was so excited about being in New York. I remember uh, staying with my uncle in Long Island and taking a train into the city, uh, and I'd get off at Penn Station. Mm -hmm. Penn Station, you know. It's not, yes. it's not Grand Central. Not Terminal. glamour, not glamour. Not glamour. No. But I would walk to Juilliard up 8th Avenue, and it could have been the Champs Elysees. I was like, Eighth Avenue, wow. Wow. Those are New York hookers. <laughs> That's a New York rat. <laughs> yeah, I thought every aspect of it was incredible. I, I'm, it was great I didn't get hit by a car. I was just so excited about being in New York. And I hope young people who come here still feel that way because... Greatest city in the world. It's still, it's still, a, it's still a place that people come to to make their dreams come true, which is why you have to show up at theaters and keep supporting these, yes. these artists. We have to take a quick break, uh, but stick around. When we come back, I'll ask Christine about what it was like to be friends with Stephen Sondheim. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things that you and I have bonded on in the past is our mutual love of Stephen Sondheim. And we, we have not had a chance to talk since uh, Steve died. And 
I, I was lucky enough to get to know him a little bit, um, but you were a friend of his, and, and I'm just curious, to those of us who really only know him as this genius who changed a form, what was he like to have as a dear friend? Uh, well, I would, let me just start by saying how fortunate I was to have worked with him over the years on many different musicals, oddly enough, never on Broadway, but workshops and full productions at Kennedy Center. So I knew him indeed as Steve Sondheim, the genius, but um, I think it was um, after an Into the Woods, Meryl and I you know, worked with him on Into the Woods, and Meryl lives up in Connecticut, and I live in the town next door to Steve, and I said, why don't we just knock on his door and take him out to dinner? So we did uh, take him out several times to an inn in Connecticut, and uh, the last time was um, this past summer, and we took him out, and for years, I had wanted to tell him about a dream that I had, and it's my favorite dream that I've ever had. And do you have actors' nightmares or? I late do. Show? I do sometimes. Yeah. We all have these nightmares. Do you, John? Do you have musicians' nightmares? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's usually for actors where you're naked on stage and you don't know your lines, or it's it's some form of a opening night, and an, you're not aware that you've been cast. It's in the an play. anxiety dream of some sort. <laughs> anyway, I had this dream back in 2006. I was doing a. a a French farce with Mark Rylance, and it was a, we needed more rehearsal, we needed more previews, and they weren't gonna give it to us because they were opening for the Tony. So it was like, okay, uh, we're just, we were just all very nervous. And I had this actor's dream, and for years I wanted to tell it to Steve because it, to me it was so special. I thought, I can't tell Stephen Sondheim my dream, and I don't know him well enough, whatever. Anyway, at this, dinner, which turned out to be my final uh, uh, dinner uh, with Steve this summer. I said, we were at his house having drinks before dinner, and I said, you know, Steve, I've always wanted to tell you this. So he said, no, no, go ahead, tell me. And <laughs> the dream is this. I'm in a large, large rehearsal hall. It's almost like a sound stage, and there are these huge set pieces that are almost like the size of a, a T-Rex. and. And you know there are a lot of people around, but I see Pierce Brosnan, and I think, oh, okay, I must be in a musical. Uh. <laughs> From his work in Mamma Mia. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, suddenly I hear a voice saying, "Please evacuate the building. There is a nuclear attack imminent." And I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get home, I've got to get home. So I leave this, this rehearsal building and I'm running down the street and then I think, oh my God, I've forgotten my handbag. I, 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 can't, I can't get a cab, I can't do anything without my handbag. And I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll somehow get to a bank and, and the bank will give me money and then I'll be able to get home somehow. Anyway, I'm, I'm racing down the street and who do I see but Stephen Sondheim. I say, Steve, can you believe this? You know, it's like, I said, this is so scary. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to the bank. Where are you going? And he said, oh, I'm going to the bank as well. And so you're we're telling this to Stephen Sondheim. I'm telling this to Stephen Sondheim, and there's an imminent nuclear attack. But while we're walking, I have to tell him how much I admire his work and what it's meant to, to <laughs> me to have been in so many of his musicals. We're about to be nuked. Uh, so we get to the bank. We get to the bank, and I get in line. 
And I'm like, I just got to get home somehow. It's a nuclear attack. And what do I see? But Steve Sondheim is sitting behind a desk at the bank. And at the, I didn't know Steve Sondheim was a banker. And then he catches mine and says, come here. So he gets me to the front of the line. He says, don't worry about it. And I said, Steve, I don't have any identification. I don't have my trip. He said, please, I know who you are. I'll look up your account. Said, Steve Sondheim's looking up my account. <laughs> don't you love dreams? I'm looking up my account. And he said, yeah, you have this checking account here. But Christine, there's this, there's this savings account here. Have you? It's never been touched. And I said, what? He said, yeah, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars in this account. You didn't know about it? I said, no. Really? And that's when I wake up. You didn't get the number? You didn't get the, you get the routing number? So you tell him. I tell him. And he laughed, and he said, that's your creative life. He said, you didn't realize your own potential as a performer and as a singer, right? You had all this money in the bank. So I was so happy to tell him that because when I worked with Steve, I felt I had to really rise to the occasion. You know, his work demands so much and it's such a privilege. So I did, I got to tell Steve Sondheim my dream. And you still have time to cut those checks. with Christine Baranski after this. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Your new project is uh, you are in Julian Fellows, the guy who created Downton Abbey, uh, on HBO. It's called The Gilded Age. And it's about uh, late uh, 1880s, uh, 1882s in New York, which is when, I mean, we're kind of in another Gilded Age right now. I know, I was watching you tell, uh, you know, about speak about all those, yeah. and I thought that we're, we're going through another Gilded Age, I mean, un unbridled wealth. But the Gilded Age was just after the Civil War, and it really was the beginning of American capitalism. And we have a clip here. Can you explain oh. what's happening here with your character explaining the rules? I think, well, my character is, of course, old money. Mm -hmm. Uh, she, you know, it's like old money was, we got here before you did, so we're closing the door on you. You can't, you can't come to our club. But, but she's rather horrified by, by the new money because uh, there's a huge mansion being built directly across the street. It would be like a, a, a Trump hotel being built across from my brownstone. You know, I'm absolutely horrified. But my niece comes to live with me because uh, she got no money from her father, and she has to come to New York and live with her two aunts, one of whom is myself, and the other is uh, Cynthia Nixon's character, Ada. Anyway, I, I tell her about old New York, and that she is, in fact, from uh, old New York, and that we, we don't associate with the, with the new people. Jim. <laughs> now, you need to know, we only receive the old people in this house, not the new, never the new. What's the difference? 
The old have been in charge since before the revolution. They ruled, justly, until the new people invaded. It's not quite as simple as that. Yes, it is. Well, I'm new. I've only just arrived. Marion, never mind that the Brooks have been in Pennsylvania for a century and a half. My mother, your grandmother, was a Livingston of Livingston Manor, and they came to this city in 1674. You belong to old New York, my dear, and don't let anyone tell you different. You are my niece, and you belong to old New York. <laughs> it's worth the ticket. It is worth the ticket just for the, the, the wardrobe and the locations. Indeed, and nobody writes a snob like Julian Fellows. I'm so, <laughs> I, I've got the huge costumes and the, and the witheringly snobbish lines. It's, it's Are they accurate, those costumes? Because oh, yes, there's like corsets and all that. It, it's, and... it's completely accurate. Right. And it's gobs of fabric. It's as though you took your grandmother's floor to ceiling velvet curtains and wrapped them around your body and you carry them around. It's like really, huge amounts of fabric and beading and and wigs and it's, how it's long does it take what is the corset like because i mean obviously i'm wearing Spanx right now but what is <laughs> what is an actual you're actually like drawn into these corsets and everything yeah they they put it on you and then they keep pulling and pulling and pulling and they'll say um is it too tight and you'll say no, I think it's okay because, of course, you're a woman and you want your waist to look. So, no, no, keep going. It's fine. <laughs> really? Are you sure? Oh, oh yes. I'll, I'll tell you if it's. You're sure you can breathe? Oh, yes. No, I, I, I can breathe. And so you get into this thing and then you show up on the set and maybe two hours later you go, I can't breathe. <laughs> but it's, it, it is what it is. It's the, those women, they actually. Society was very tight mm -hmm. and pulled in, and so were were their clothes. What if you, uh, you know, uh, have to answer nature's call? How long does that take? <clears throat> that they didn't factor that in, you know. Um, Back then, they have didn't do these, it. They, <laughs> they were above it. We had these huge costumes, but we were on a soundstage that didn't have any ladies or men's rooms. We had to go. We had to leave the soundstage <clears throat> and cross the street and go to a a porta potty. Now you've been in porta potties, right? They're they're about this big, so you'd go in with your. Oh, and you have a bustle. Bustles and petticoats, and and you like hoist it up, and you're in this tiny stall, and then you'd you'd just hope to God you could strategically aim and you know <laughs> keep your costume dry, but you know. Good luck. Uh, it's a champagne problem, you know. <laughs> yes. Christine, lovely to have you again. Thanks oh, you so much for being gosh, here. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. 
How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.